Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of 2021 for Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast bringing you insurance news and an inside perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering an update on the deadly tornado outbreak of this past weekend. Key information insurers in the impacted states should expect in coming days. Plus, what's driving auto insurance costs? A new NAMIC issue analysis explains the contributing factors affecting premiums. But first, cleanup is still underway after historic tornadoes devastated multiple central and southern states last weekend. Analysts at AMBEST said they expect the insured losses will dampen underwriting results for insurers, but that companies will be able to absorb them, even though supply chain and inflation challenges may exacerbate losses. Currently insured losses from the tornado outbreak are estimated to be around $3 billion, but that number is likely to go up. NAMIC General Counsel Jeff Baker encourages insurers to be on the lookout for critical post-catastrophe action from regulators in the coming days. With the record-breaking storm activity this past weekend, the insurance industry is facing a multi-state catastrophe event from the south to the Midwest. NAMIC's advocacy and compliance teams are closely monitoring post-storm regulatory activity, which generally follows the same pattern. Permission to use emergency adjusters is usually the first regulatory activity, and we've seen this already in Arkansas and Kentucky, which are two of the hardest-hit states. Next, typically regulators will then issue policy cancellation and non-renewal moratoriums. Uh, We haven't seen any of those yet, but we understand that the Illinois Department will issue one this week. Next to occur is the issuance of data calls for claim information, but those aren't usually issued until at least a couple of weeks after the event. Last, regulators may encourage carriers to waive content inventories, extend additional living expense benefits, or request that insurers allow insureds more time to repair or replace property of recovered depreciation. We don't usually see those until maybe a month or more after the event and even longer. We're still pretty early in this process, but members with policyholders in these states should make sure that they are subscribed to NAMIC's compliance alerts to receive the most up-to-date information about regulatory responses to this tragic event. While it's still early in the process, members with policyholders in these states should make sure they're subscribed to NAMIC's compliance alerts to receive the most up-to-date information about regulatory responses to this tragic event. On the federal scene, NAMIC is now working together with the American Property Casualty Insurance Association to communicate the dangers of the Pandemic Risk Insurance Act, introduced in Congress earlier this year. One key message being delivered by the two associations is the fact that pandemic risk is uninsurable and attempting to utilize the insurance industry to provide economic relief in the wake of pandemics would cause undue harm to policymakers. NAMIC has also pointed out that the bill would preempt both state-based regulation as recognized in McCarran-Ferguson, as well as constitutional contractual rights concerning risk management. To continue these efforts, NAMIC and APCIA have sent a letter to every member of the House and Senate encouraging lawmakers to oppose this legislation. In the letter, the two organizations stated that the United States government is the only entity that can provide financial bridge needed by businesses in the scale, proportion, and duration of future pandemics. 
The letter also states that comprehensive government programs designed to directly address large-scale business continuity losses from pandemics are necessary to address this risk prospectively. The National Association of Insurance Commissioners is hosting its national meeting this week in San Diego with several NAMIC advocates in attendance to testify on behalf of the industry. That includes NAMIC Director of Auto and Underwriting Policy, Tony Cotto, who will speak to the commissioners about the factors contributing to the increase in auto insurance rates. In fact, Cotto will present findings from a newly released NAMIC analysis on this issue that examines extensive federal, state, and industry data related to driving patterns, behaviors, and costs of modern vehicle ownership and insurance. On today's Unscripted, our Neil Aldrich sits down with Cotto to discuss the new analysis that explains how most costs involved in providing auto insurance are actually driven by external forces outside auto insurers' control. So in recent years, the cost of providing auto insurance coverage are up really across the board. NAMIC uh, has just released an, an analysis of the extensive federal, state, and industry data that is related to driving patterns, behaviors, and costs of modern vehicle ownership and insurance. So joining me today on Unscripted is Tony Cotto. Tony is our Director of Auto and Underwriting Policy here at NAMIC and the author of this new analysis. He's gonna break down some of the critical findings for us today. So thanks for joining us today, Tony. Great to be here, Neil, thank you. My pleasure, so let's just sort of jump right into it. So it's important to start, I think, by kind of framing the conversation about what auto insurance is really all about. Uh, it's a financial safeguard against potential uh, risk of loss, really, from driving. Uh, that can, that can relate both in terms of medical costs and also, you know, damage to the actual vehicle. So the NAMIC analysis starts by talking about three groups of people who care about car insurance or auto insurance, and each for different reasons. Um, can we walk through those three groups, Tony? Absolutely. Uh, so we start out and say, you know, wh why do we care about this issue at all? And the first group is consumers. Um, the reality is that for consumers, the average cost of auto insurance across the country is over $1,000 per year. And that's it for most consumers and most families, transportation is the number two cost that they face after housing. So it's a big issue and $1,000 is no small chunk of change for most American families. The second group is the policymakers, And these are your legislators and your regulators who they have this dual mission of maintaining markets that function correctly while also protecting the people that they represent. And then the third group is insurers, and that's uh, you know, obviously our NAMIC members who want to be successful at matching risk to rate and selling insurance. So we always say, you know, what, what do insurance companies love to do? They love to sell insurance, and they want to be good at it. So those are sort of the three key stakeholders, and the common thread across all of them is that we want safer roads and we want policyholders protected. Yeah, absolutely. The cost of auto insurance, no doubt, has is, is, is gone up. And, and you're right, it is a cost driver for most families. I still have a couple of teenage drivers, and I can tell you, I'm keenly aware of the cost <laughs> drivers there as it relates to auto insurance costs. So, so from the onset, so there's a lot of things going on here in this space. So from the onset of COVID, um, there were a lot of assumptions. There were people that were driving less, no doubt, in some places. But early on, NAMIC, and especially you, were very much vocal in the notion of warning policymakers about 
let's not react too quickly to what this dynamic is as it relates to perhaps some folks driving less. And let's gather some data and, and then make some assumptions from there. So we've had a little time to do that now, and this is part of your work here. So let's, let's get into the data side. So what have we learned based on the 2020 data? So our initial assumptions of everyone stopping driving completely um, have proven to be incorrect. Um, there was a drastic drop in April and May of last year. Uh, a lot of people were not driving, offices were figuring out how to do work from home, people were paranoid about everything from going to the grocery store to <laughs> go, going to get gas. Um, it, it was a very, it was an odd time. Um, but it rebounded by June. By June, we were within 10% of normal driving patterns, um, which is sort of astonishing. Um, you know, what else the data tells us is that fewer cars on the road did not make the roads safer. In fact, the opposite. Um, we saw deaths on the road increase by 7% over the last year. That is terrifying. Um, we saw record numbers of speeders over 100 miles an hour. Um, you look at some of the highway patrol data, and one example that comes to mind is the California Highway Patrol had a more than 100% increase in the number of citations that they issued over 100 miles an hour. People that were on the roads were flying. Um, additionally, there was a sort of mental change in the drivers that they thought, well, the police aren't gonna be on the roads because of COVID. So I'm going to you know, drink and drive. I'm going to have my phone on. I'm, I don't need to worry about the things I normally worry about when I'm stuck in traffic. And that, those patterns are what the data is starting to show us. Yeah, it's fascinating and, and I think undertold story in all of this. I know insurers, we've cited the numbers, insurers did respond and uh, returned something like $14 billion in auto insurance premium, mainly predicated on the notion that, that people were driving less. But this severity issue is real. Um, it's something we've seen. It, it was really a factor, as many of you all know, before the pandemic, where we saw a lot of severe issues in the auto insurance market and that really hasn't stopped and as Tony indicates it's really increased which is not something you typically see in most media stories about these issues right now and it's something I know we're pressing the regulatory community on on sort of what the reality is versus perhaps what the recept the perception of what is happening on the roads right now. So NAMIC members a lot of them write auto insurance NAMIC represents about 53%, I believe, of the auto insurance market in the country. So we have a keen interest in, in this issue for certain. So there are lots of challenges over the last decade. So what are the, some of the primary uh, drivers of costs now and what we see moving forward for auto insurance? So the, 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 there's an important story to be told here as well, Neil, and it's, it starts with the fact that insurers do not control or set most of the costs the costs are imposed upon our members. Um, the operative word in this space, unfortunately, is more. Uh, more of everything. More drivers on the road. We're up to 230 million licensed drivers in the country for 280 million cars. More speeding, more crashes, more death. We talked about all those already. Um, more distracted driving and more impaired driving. DUIs were up during COVID a frightening amount. Um, you know, for, for any number of reasons, people reacted uh, irresponsibly during these times. The proliferation of cannabis, the ubiquity of smartphones, 
all of this is leading to an increase in the temptation to drive distracted. There's a disconnect between what people think and what people do because when you survey, <laughs> you find, oh yes, texting and driving is terrible. Oh, but I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's more of that. And then another primary is more expensive cars. Um, we've seen used car prices spike in the past year if you can find one. Uh, new cars are over $40,000 to buy a new car. The cost of driving is going up and the cost of repair parts. One of the things that we, we talk about in the analysis is that from 2017 to 2018, one particular model of vehicle went from having 17 parts in the bumper to having 43. Well, of course, it's much more expensive to replace that bumper. And you have to have trained technicians who know how to do it because there's more technology in it. There's cameras, there's a, and then we get to labor shortages, right? right? There's a shortage of technicians, which means that it's gonna take longer to repair your car. So now the insurer has to provide you a rental car for a longer period of time. Um, it's, it's more of everything, more medical costs that you mentioned, more extreme weather. We're, we're facing all of these things. And every move by policymakers that raises premiums unfortunately also increases the possibility that someone skips insurance altogether, which is the worst case scenario. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> it, 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 we talk about a lot that, you know, it just takes, today's cars, especially new ones, are about the cost of houses about 15, 20 years ago in some places, in some regards. And so you think about, you know, what it costs to insure a house versus a car in some cir circumstances, there's, there's not much difference and a house isn't moving down the road at 75 miles an hour either. So uh, there's th that cost of repair is something that I think is, is under told in a lot of this story as well. Um, and it's just something that I think people, you know, just don't quite grasp the notion that, that the rates don't quite match what the real risk profile here is when it comes to auto insurance. Plus there's this perception, and rightly so, that cars are safer. Right, they've never been more safe, and people wear their seatbelts now, and there's airbags, and all of those things, and all those are true, and all those are really are the result of the work of the insurance industry. Absolutely, but it it that perception of safety doesn't match the idea of what the real cost is now mm -hmm. to insure those more safe, more expensive cars right. when they break. It just stands to reason when something's more expensive, when you break it, it costs more to put it back together. Again. Absolutely. So, uh, so this is a big topic in the regulatory community. You're about to head off uh, to the NEIC meeting here with some of the other NAMIC staff. So, so let's talk about that and the, what the NEIC is up to in this space. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces here. So let's give us your thoughts on what you expect from the NEIC on this. So we will be uh, testifying in front of the C Committee, the Property and Casualty Committee, specifically on the issue uh, that you, you mentioned of auto rebates. Um, this, you know, in insurers voluntarily gave back more than $13 billion to policyholders, despite the fact that at no point was anyone unable to get in their car and create an exposure on the road. Um, so, you know, acting in good faith, the insurance community gave back a whole lot of, of premium to policyholders. There are voices in the consumer community and in the regulatory community that are arguing that that was not enough. Um, that the correct numbers should be somewhere in the 40 billion to 50 billion dollars. Um, those voices do not account for the last 10 years of combined ratios. They never say, well, you had a bad year, so go ahead and charge more premium 
All they're saying is, well, you had one year where the numbers were down, so give it all back. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll be testifying to that, uh, presenting on that issue. The regulators, I, I suspect, uh, they have heard enough of this. They are ready to move on. Um, in 46 jurisdictions, the regulator didn't even get involved in the givebacks. Uh, only in, in four states did the regulator even say, you need to give something back. So we can be extraordinarily proud of the insurance community and what we've done in this space. And that's the story we'll be telling at the NAIC. Well, that's great. So NAMIC is really dedicated to working with all the stakeholders and partners to kind of sort through these problems and hopefully get it right. Uh, clearly, the government's watching the issue. I noticed in the paper, you actually quoted the U.S. Transportation Secretary, who recently uh, cited the number of roadway fatalities as a crisis. Um, again, something you don't often see um, in, in the way this issue is framed. Uh, so what final thoughts do you have on this, Tony? Sure, the, the secretary is correct. Um, you know, we cannot accept these fatalities as just everyday life. Um, the, the idea that you, you take your life into your hands every time you get into a car is not something that, that we should be dealing with and insurers are committed to playing their part to help end that possibility. No one is more invested in making the roads safer than insurance companies. Uh, and we're ready to roll up our sleeves and, and get to work with our allies to save lives and improve roads and be innovative about how we do it. We're, we're ready to do the work. Yeah, that's great. In fact, today, later on, I'm NAMIC serves on the board of the Insurance Institute of Highway Safety. I have a board meeting later today for that group. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're dedicated and working with all of the industry to finding solutions to highway safety issues. Um, the industry, it is really, some have characterized it as the, one of the greatest public health stories never told. And that is the insurance industry's role in making cars and vehicles safer uh, for drivers. And we have more work to do. Uh, clearly on this front, and, and you're right, we simply drive too much uh, to have this potential risk be increasing uh, at the same time when people are calling for rates to be reduced and, and that insurers somehow are doing something wrong here uh, by simply matching uh, the rate to the risk that we, that we ride every day. So, Tony, thanks for, for joining us today. Great work. Uh, for those of you that don't know Tony, you should... Uh, uh, follow him and, and the work he does for NAMIC. He's a great asset for the association, a real expert on these issues, and, and you're well served by him uh, in the regulatory community and at the NEIC and in the state. So, Tony, thanks and enjoyed it. Appreciate it, Neil. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Among other topics covered during the NAIC meeting were diversity, equity, and inclusion, with the NAIC releasing its first DEI report. To learn more about all the happenings at the NAIC meeting, which wraps up tomorrow, December 16th, association members should be on the lookout for a full report from NAMIC's advocacy team, expected to be shared with the membership before the Christmas holiday. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the podcast, and also for this year of Insurance Uncovered. It's hard to believe another year has gone by, but we hope you've enjoyed our show. And we'll be back again in 2022 as we kick off Season 5. Please join us then. And in the meantime, I'm Kathy Imus. And on behalf of all of us at Insurance Uncovered and at NAMIC, we wish you all a very happy holiday season.